0: Oh,
1: Hello and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Socks.
0: And I'm Lori Socks.
1: And today we're joined by Sadr Isa from Syria.
0: He is a delightful young man whose story you may be familiar with as his father has Down syndrome. This interview is life-changing for me as a mom. It brought so much joy just meeting him and talking to him and learning about his life. And then on another level, I'll tell you as a parent, he just defied one of the things that very early on before it needed to be an issue with Liam, that we were, you know, we were told Liam would most likely never have a family if he could be on his own. So I love that my morning began with speaking with him and just when we finished, I had I had a different perspective on everything, and we are constantly trying to open our minds. We are constantly working on making changes and changing perception and perspective, and it's such a gift when your own perspective and perception is changed and opened and widened. And let's get to it. Let's share this beautiful conversation with a wonderful young man.
1: Sader, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: We're very excited. Thank you for uh, making time for us. I know you're you're staying very busy.
2: It's not a problem. You know, it's because we're now having college exams. But of course, I have uh, time for you guys. Of course, it's not a problem.
1: Maybe could you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
2: My name is Sadr Isa, and I come from Syria. I was born and raised here in Syria, in a small town. It's called Albaida bayda in, in Hama government. Um, the local population is about Fifteen hundred people. That's it. So it's a very small town, and people here all we we know each other. So it's a very peaceful, very kind environment to be to be born into. I'm also born to a father with Down syndrome, and I recently realized that it is the first known story, you know, worldwide of a doctor or a medicine or dentistry student born to a father with Down syndrome. So uh, that's very exciting, of course we're we're living here uh, our simple life here in syria we're living in a safe town here in syria and you know things are going well with us hopefully you know the general situation here in syria can get much better and we hope it it happens soon you know because many people unfortunately live in a um, regions when where they have you know war conflicts bombings and all this stuff so we hope peace for all Syria and all the world.
1: Well, when I heard your story and uh, reached out to you, that was one of my concerns with you, is just uh, where you live and making sure that, that you're safe. So good to hear that.
2: Yeah, yeah. We, we've never had any war conflict in our region, thank God. We were suffering just from the general things that happening in Syria, like economical blockade travel, uh, plug in on Syria and all this stuff. But uh, in, in war conflicts and all this stuff, we, we thank God we, we did not suffer from any of this stuff.
0: I just want to say your story, your personal story is going to bring peace to a lot of people because being raised by a father with Down syndrome, you know, when we have a child or we find out we're pregnant and we get that diagnosis, a lot of negatives are given to us, a lot of uh, they tell us everything that our child will never do, and when I heard that your father had Down syndrome, I just had so many questions for you because you're just you're taking what they tell us and you're shattering that. But then also, I want to hear about your life because that's another thing. You're you you've obviously lived a great life, and you have everything that's instilled in you, and the foundation that you're coming from is beautiful. And just knowing that it brings joy and peace to a lot of parents' hearts who are told that these are things that your child will never do right off the bat.
2: Yeah, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your dad. Well, of course, you know, my father is called Jad Issa. He is a 45-year-old man with Down syndrome. He is a good father. He's a good husband. He has been working for over 25 years in the same factory. It's a local wheat grinding factory, and he's well-respected. In his society, you know, especially after our story was shared worldwide, you know, he became, you know, like uh, a famous person here in Syria. So everyone who come to buy products from the factory that he works in, they they always recognize him. They always like to say hi to him and just know more about him. And uh, a lot of these people get surprised when they, you know, talk to him and interact with him because they realize that he is a smart guy. He's a Funny guy, you know, he's very social, and that's something that they don't know much about people with Down syndrome. And I hope to be able one day to show uh, this unique character, this very special mindset to all this world. You know, I hope one day to be able to share his character with all the world in general. Hopefully, hopefully we will do it in future. Uh, as I said, he's a very smart guy. He's a funny guy. He's a good husband as a fam and a family leader. You know, and um, Hopefully, hopefully, you will get the chance to meet him one day.
1: Oh, that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful.
2: As
0: if you ever want to do a podcast with him, oh, we would love that. We'd love to talk to him.
2: Yeah, yeah. He he speaks only Arabic, you know. I will have to translate him. But, you know, it's not a problem, of course. Uh, he's now at, at work, you know. It's 8 p.m. here, and he's still at work. You know, he usually comes around 10 p.m. He comes at, uh, you know... Dinner for a couple of hours, and he returns to his work. But that's only in the in the summer. In the winter, he's always at home. He works only for five or six hours because there is no. It's not the wheat season here in Syria, so there is no much work to do. Hopefully, we will we can do such thing. It's not a problem. When
0: did you find out that your father had Down syndrome, and and how did you find out?
2: Well, um, I think I think I was about ten or eleven years old. You know. I started to realize that he is different. You know, he's different from other parents. He's different from other people. But I didn't, you know, quite understand how and why he was different. You know, I just uh, knew that there was something different from uh, the other parents, different from the other people that we know. I didn't ask questions about it because, you know, here in Syria or in in uh, the traditions or in the culture, it, in the general culture here, it's not appropriate to ask such questions you know so you have always to find your answers in in one way or another so after a while we started learning about uh, down syndrome in school you know first of all the naming was different to me so uh, i didn't know down syndrome as this name because common people here in syria still refer to down syndrome as uh, mongolism so down syndrome was a new name to me was the name uh, the international name of uh, my uh, father's case, you know, the name that I can reach and search uh, for uh, my questions that I have in my mind. So, you know, in school we got very simple information about Down syndrome, and as you said earlier, we get only the things that the person with uh, with Down syndrome will not be able to do in the future, or may have to suffer from in the future, and we don't get anything about the positive side of down syndrome or the different abilities that they have you know at first it was a bit sad you know to know about all the problems that my father may have to face in the in the future or may be facing right now but you know after a while all these negative informations just started to to fade in the background you know i just see my funny father my healthy father and my strong father, you know, he used to be very uh, muscular when he was younger. So so all these negative ideas started to fade in the background. And I just started to understand more about his character, more about Judd, more about my father as a person, not about a, a diagnosis, a, da- a Down syndrome diagnosis. And, you know, it took some time. But at the end, I started to, to realize who was... Uh, really him you know not the the diagnosis not the things that we we learn in the books you know that they, they want e- be able to do this and they want be able to do that you know all these negative ideas just faded and he returned ju- uh, he returned to be just my father you know my lovely father without any kind of labels so and i don't i don't like to label him but now since we are advocating for down syndrome i always say I'm the son of a father with Down syndrome, but I don't quite like it. You know, I'm the, I'm the son of Jad Isa. I don't like to always put labels on him. But, you know, uh, due to the work that we are doing right now, I have to, to always say that I, uh, I have father with Down syndrome. But, you know, uh, before we, we do all this uh, reports and articles, all this stuff, we, we didn't even mention this. It just faded. You know, we, we, we just stopped thinking about it. That's kind
1: of how we feel in our household too that we we do talk we feel like we talk about it a lot because we like you said are advocates but um, Liam has an older sister Sophia who's 2 years older and it just wasn't anything that she really questioned and then once she got some answers it was just kind of there and that was it, it because like you said you didn't want to label somebody it's 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 not who they are Totally,
0: yeah. And you don't want to put those limits.
1: Yeah, you don't want any of those negative, like you said, the negative information to then put any limits on on anyone.
0: And you said, you, and you had some questions, and and um, that you you didn't really talk to your father about it. Have you ever talked to your father about uh, about Down syndrome?
2: No, no, actually, I don't. As I said, it's not something you know comfortable to speak with it's totally uh, especially in the uh, in our culture in our culture in general it's not you know let's say appropriate to talk about such things with the person who has this defect or this problem or this diagnosis we think of it as something polite you know to just not question these people about these topics because not all people are comfortable with sharing these information and may some people may you know you know just start losing their confidence or just start how can i say it just start you know uh, think different about themselves and think that we are always have these questions uh, in my minds about them so we try to not put other people in uh, such weird or awkward situations that's it but uh, i got my answers uh, at the end it's not always right you know it's not always uh, good to deal with things with this kind of attitude you know and it's not the only problem in the arabic culture you know there's many many other problems that need fixing and this is one of them that we we're not always honest with the with the other people about all the questions in my mind so you know i think that that is something that could have been fixed if we you know just had a better idea about it.
1: Do you think that's how your your father grew up as a as a young man and, and a boy? I guess. Uh, do you think that he was talked to about Down syndrome, or is that something that would have been shied away with as well?
2: Yeah, yeah, shied away, of course. Unless you know he was you know interacted with uh, some bullies, you know, because as I said, people here in general referred to Down syndrome people as Ma- uh, Mongols or Mongolism. And, you know, as a word, it's not very acceptable here in Syria. And people are not always frank about it or not always honest about what they have in mind, especially when they are treating with people with Down syndrome or any other diagnosis. So I think it totally was uh, shied uh, away.
0: Sader, I, th- I think th- a good thing that came from that, by not speaking those negatives and imposing those boundaries on your father he wasn't told that he could never do all these things and he's he's doing all all the things that are are written on a piece of paper that say these are things that your child will never do yeah so i don't know if you covered this but how did how did it feel when you realized your father had down syndrome and how has that feeling changed if it has changed
2: well at the beginning as i said it was a bit sad because I knew more about uh, the problems that he might have in the future, like, you know, diabetes and heart problems, all this stuff. But, you know, it didn't change uh, anything inside of me. I didn't feel ashamed of him. I didn't feel that I don't love him. You know, he was always uh, my friend, uh, especially when I was, you know, just a little kid. He used to always play with me. He used to always Stay around me now because I'm at college. I don't have much time to spend with him. But at that time, he was he was just my friend. He was he was you know always playing with me, always uh, sharing with me the the beautiful moments, beautiful stories. And you know it didn't change uh, my feelings towards him. I just, as I said, I just felt a bit sad because he might have some problems in the future, and I. Uh, as i said these negative ideas just faded in the background and all this sad feelings just turned normal and now uh, and turned to, to much love and ap- appreciation to towards him because now i know that uh, there's uh, s- certain problems that he might be having and even though he is working hard he is trying to spend most of his time at work to just uh, be able to spend uh, on this family and give us uh, our normal lives. So after, you know, I uh, realized, and after I became older, and after I got a better un- understanding of his situation, it became, you know, a respectful feelings towards him, very loving feelings towards him, because some people think of him as someone not capable of doing all this stuff. And even though he did he, he did them all so that of course gives me much love much respect towards him and you know i don't think that this feelings will ever change for for anything in life whether it was a diagnosis or anything oh i'm and i'm, I'm sorry about uh, you know i'm getting a bit confused in english speaking but i don't speak english all the time so i hope you you get my my ideas
1: totally you you, you speak wonderful english is that commonplace uh, in Syria to learn English?
2: No, 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 not not at all. You know, especially in Syria. You know, you can find people speaking English in other uh, Arabic countries like Lebanon, United you know, United Arab Emirates, all these countries. But especially in Syria, the only spoken language is Arabic. And even even in university, we, we learn dentistry and we learn medicine. We'll we learn all these fields in, in Arabic. And it, I think it's one of the very few Arab countries that do so. So uh, not not many people speak English at all. Not many people understand anything about English. Very few people speak English and very few people, you know, are good at speaking English uh, with a, with, a uh, with no Arabic accent, I think.
1: Well, Arabic is such a beautiful language with such amazing history
2: a good history but you know people have recently are going way way extreme not in in religious aspect but you know a racist aspect and all these you know bad stuff and the arab countries you you can't find you know a a one arab country with democracy and with uh, good human rights and with good uh, you know economical uh, Economical aspect unless you're speaking about the Gulf countries where they have all this oil and all this stuff The Arabic history is very rich. It's very good But you know the last generations have put it all uh, have just did some hor- horrible things that put this You know great great land in such a bad situation So in politically or economically and in, in all the the aspects
1: there's a lot of suffering, but what I was going to say was with with this beautiful language that you have that you've grown up with, but being able to now speak very well in English, your well, your father and your story can be can reach so many more people.
2: That's that's what we are trying to do. You know, the first video was all in uh, in Arabic. I don't know if you watched the video or just read uh, the articles about our story, but we made our first video interview and it was all in arabic but it was translated to to english with with english subtitles
1: yeah i saw the video uh, with subtitles and and then read an article
2: yeah we're planning to for the next video uh to you know for me to be speaking english and my parents with uh, arabic with the english subtitles you know i think it could as i said it could reach uh, more people around the world
1: To go back to your family dynamic, um, your father uh, being so close to you when you were a boy, what was your family dynamic like? You're an only child, I believe. Maybe you could tell us how your mother and father met and what their relationship's like. Uh,
2: Back in the days in Syria, you know, it was not common for uh, men and women to, to date and to go all by themselves, so especially... In in uh, small societies like uh, towns, little towns or little villages. So uh, in one way or another, the the guy who wants to uh, introduce himself to this lady have to find you know a proper way to introduce himself to uh, to tell her more about uh, his feelings uh, towards her and his whether he loves her or not or whether he likes her or not. So for my father and mother, you know, both of them are from different towns so i believe they met first when my father was visiting my aunt my aunt's husband was a judge here in syria and he he had this family who was doing in uh, a case with him uh, since he was a judge and they uh, suddenly met you know uh, my father and my mother both of them actually have intellectual problems and uh, i don't know why most of the people think that uh, my mother don't have any kind of disability, and she is you know, like I, I forgot this word. Like she is uh, marrying this little baby. Some, some, some. Unfortunately, some people describe it as as this way. Like a full-grown woman, um, and with all his her intellectual abilities, are marrying someone with some intellectual disabilities they see it as exploitation i think this word is
1: yeah exploiting
2: yeah uh, but that's not the case you know both my parents have intellectual disabilities my my mother has a slight uh, mental delay but you know it's not nos- uh, noticeable until you uh, closely interact with her you know but they are intellectually at the same you know at the same level they are very simple people but very kind very loving and very you know have a such a strong determination in life so they met by coincidence at as i said at my aunt's house when my mother's family was you know doing some business with my my aunt's uh, husband the two families uh, start to to discuss whether it's uh, you know appropriate because you know people here especially people with disabilities can't uh, decide by themselves, whether they want to get married to uh, their partners or whether they want to to do anything, any formal, any informal thing here in Syria. So the two families had to discuss this marriage, and you know, uh, my father and mother had, had to uh, get m- more uh, arranged uh, dates uh, between them. You know, my mother can can come to my aunt's house when my father is there, or my father can go to my uh, mother's house when their, you know, family is there and they can, you know, just sit with each other and discuss about their uh, their lives and discuss about their jobs and all this stuff. You know, I don't know if you get the general idea of it, you know, but that's how things or marriages used to be done here in Syria.
1: No, I think that's something in, in the United States we've lost, but if you go back a few years, you can go to where there was a real courtship there were steps involved and it was tightly monitored by by the parents.
2: You know, when you have, have changed here, you know, in Syria. We are uh, now more westernized, we now don't have, you know, it's not acceptable anymore to have such marriages uh, at that time. Okay. That's just to clarify.
1: Now, now growing up uh, with these two beautiful people you've described, and I think of parents' roles in their children's lives, and there's discipline involved, and I was just curious about how you were disciplined as a child. Um, you talk about how this loving family and uh, you lived with your parents in their own home, or, or how did that how did that work?
2: Yeah, yeah, we have our own home here in our town, and my parents were very protective, you know, me when I was a little kid. So I became a bit shy, you know, as a little child, you know. And it it didn't take much to for disciplines, you know, it just took a look from my mother or my father or just simple word to stop doing this thing, it is not good or stop, you know, playing with this stuff or, or anything like that. And that's it. You know, I didn't I was not unfortunately I was not very naughty as a as a little kid. But you know, that's it. You know, I was a bit shy. It took just a word or a look from them to stop what whatever I was doing.
1: What a beautifully normal life you had and have, and that's that's really a great message to send to people. That here's uh, two people that may have some difficulties, but they're they're just given the right and then successfully have their own home and raise a child, and just like any typical person.
0: Sutter, when you got a little bit older, you know, kids tend to try to push the boundaries a little bit, or or test the limits? Did you did you do that? And
2: no, 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 no. no I was, uh, as I said, I was a bit shy, you know, as a little kid. Even when I got a bit uh, older, you know, uh, I didn't tend to, you know, try to all these risky stuff or risky games that the kids in my age do. So no, I didn't have this this kind of experiment.
1: And you had a, a, a relationship with your parents' parents, your grandparents?
2: No, no, unfortunately, I answered this question. My grandparents have passed away uh, before I was born. So uh, all what I ha- what I know about them is from, you know, these stories that my, my parents have with them. You know, they always tell me that they were nice with them, that they, uh, you know, tried all their best to provide the best opportunities for my father in his life and you know they were not always successful because things were very hard at that time you know like my father is uh, doesn't know how to to read and write because there was no special education or teachers in general did not know how to cope with uh, people with Down syndrome or intellectual disabilities so he was not able to learn how to read and write and that was something that broke my grandmother's heart you know she she wanted him to be at least just be able to read simple stuff and to calculate and all these just simple stuff at school but he he was not able to do so unfortunately uh, but they they tried to uh, even though he was not able to read and write they tried to work and provide him as a little kid and tried to you know uh, teach him the the uh, the different abilities that he will need to be having in the future like when he first got his job you know my grandmother used to always go to 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 the place where he works and always try to to see if he is doing this thing uh, in a good way or not and always try to to ask his colleagues to help him with what he's uh, he's doing and now thank god he he teaches the new workers how to to work on the uh, the machines and how to do the things in this factory, so yeah, they were they were succe- successful in this aspect. And uh, all what I know about my uh, my grandfather, that I I look a lot like him, you know. They they always tell me that you look exactly like your grandfather. I hope I I had the chance to to meet them, but unfortunately I didn't I didn't have this chance.
1: Well, you had mentioned earlier that your dad did go through a little bit of bullying, which probably is a worldwide problem is that something that you confronted as well as a child
2: well yeah of course but i didn't i didn't tell my my parents about it you know because uh, i didn't want to make them you know feel that they are not protecting me enough you know i just want didn't want to give them this feeling i just secretly started to uh, different kinds of sports like uh, bodybuilding like boxing at a very small age actually and I became physically and mentally uh, ready to defend myself and you know thank god I didn't have to use this strength against anyone because you know bullies are cowards you know they don't do anything harmful when they see that the other person is capable of defending himself so thank god I was capable of defending myself both physically mentally and i didn't have any problems after after this from from any any anyone
0: your your strength and your family strength is something that's so impressive because it comes from such a beautiful peaceful loving place and you, i should have said this right at the beginning but i with your culture and and i if if we ask anything that you feel uncomfortable answering or overstep any boundary please please tell us because I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable situation or I- impose on you because you're being so gracious with your time and your story, which is is beautiful. What did your parents' relationship teach you?
2: As I said earlier, you know, uh, they are people who who are, you know labeled as someone who are not who is not capable of doing things like getting married. Getting uh, you know a job, getting a house, you know making a family in general, and they were able to do so. They were able to complete each other. You know, uh, my fa- my mother uh, has now some uh, hearing problems, so my father always gives her a, a slight you know a description of what's going on or what the people are speaking. You know, they they complete each other. You know, there is some aspects that my mother can do better than my father and some aspects uh, where uh, my father can do it better than my mother i learned that we should not you know label anyone or we, and we should not you know judge anyone based on their condition or based on their you know diagnosis because you know first of all uh, this might make us look stupid you know when when these people who whom we have judged uh, as People who are not capable of doing this surprise us and do, you know, these things better better than than us. And uh, these people who are, you know, labeled as disabled people can do some things better than people who are not called disabled. That the, the, the so-called normal people that taught me to to respect, you know, every human being regardless of their condition, mentally, physically or condition in their re- religious aspect or their race aspect or any aspect just look to people as human beings just don't judge don't put any labels on and on anyone and you know that has helped me a lot in my life you know and i think that it will help me more in the future
1: it's so wonderful talking to you you're such a wonderful person to talk to um can you just tell us how far along you are in dentistry, studying, and, and what your future plans are?
2: Well, I have one more year to graduate as a dentist. You know, my future plans are not very clear, you know, because of the, uh, the current situation here in Syria, the economical collapse. You cannot tell what will happen next year here in Syria. And you cannot tell how uh, you will be going to be able to to start your own job and start, you know, your own clinic. We, we as dentists, we have to, to you know, prepare our clinic. We have to, uh, you know, get all the equipments that we need. And you don't know how you will be able to, to do such things. But, you know, my current plans are after graduation, I will have to practice two more years of dentistry in a uh, small town before I, was, I will be, a- be able to, to open my clinic in a large city. I will have to to work with another doc, doctor who has his private clinic for two years or so. Then I will have to find a way to to start my own clinic, my start start my own uh, you know business, and uh, that's it maybe you know as Syrians as and as as Christians in the Middle East, all, most of us try to immigrate, try to move to another country because you know. Our civil rights here in in these countries are not always protected. And I didn't know if I told you earlier, but most of my uncles and aunts live in the United States, in uh, Pennsylvania, where the only members of the ISA family who doesn't have an American citizenship. So I think I will have to also try to uh, the the immigration to another country because it's easier and it's uh, much safer to start a job and a career in, in another country and of course i will i will have to uh, you know not uh, go by myself i have i will have to to take my parents with me if this plan was this plan happens but you know it's not it's not clear it's still not clear what will happen in the next one or two years here in syria
0: Sadr, do you have a favorite childhood memory
2: well of course i have many favorite childhood memory, but uh, one of my favorites was when I finished first grade, you know, here in Syria, they give us, you know, like a report or, uh, or a paper with the, all my, our grades in, in, in different classes in the first grade. And all my grades were straight A's. I didn't have any B's or D's or anything. And this paper or this report, we give them we to our parents to see how we did in school, all this stuff. And when I gave uh, this paper to my parents, you know, they cried, you know. They were happy to see their kid, you know, getting the education that they were not able to get. You know, both my parents don't know how to read and write. They were proud to see their only child as a uh, little kid who is doing well at school, which which is, I think, at that stage is the, the, the most thing that the parents concentrate is that their kid is doing good in school. He has a good, good friends. All this stuff. So they were crying, happy crying, and they were proud. And I think I remember that uh, my parent, you know, uh, my father, put this paper on his chest, uh, the back towards him, you know, uh, so the grades are showed to the, uh, to the people in front of him, and walked in the uh, in our neighborhood to show the people that this is my son. You know, this. Uh, this is my kid and this his grades in school look at him he is doing well and he's our kid and he was you know so proud you know and that feeling you know was one of the best feelings that i have ever experienced in my life i was happy to see them proud i was happy to see them smiling and happy about my my small accomplishment at that uh, at that age and so I decided to always give them this, this emotions, always give them this uh, moment of pride. And that's what I've tried to do since that, since that time, you know. I've done a, a very good job in, in school, you know. And in ninth grade, we have like a, we call it a, a ninth grade di- diploma before we, we go to, uh, to high school. And you know, as the first grade, I was the the first in my class, you know, and they were again very proud and very happy. And I love, I love, as I said, I love this feeling. I love to to give them this experience. And uh, here we are today, you know. As, as I said earlier, studying dentistry here in Syria is something uh, that has a high social respect and very high social value. So now they feel even more proud that they're their small kid is now uh, a doctor and will become a a doctor who who treats others. You know, this uh, very, you know, lovely memory in my first grade when I was six years old, that was the the moment that shaped and sculpted what, what I will be doing in future, you know. And that was the moment that kept me in the way that I am in right now, you know. That was the moment that kept me doing the good things and staying away from the bad things you know and i don't think that i will be here today if i didn't have these parents you know if i have other parents i i don't think i will be here today you know doing doing what i do you know i don't i don't know you know what i will be doing
0: well it sounds like they were quite an inspiration to you in forming your life your story is an inspiration
2: thank you thank you so much
0: i'm i'm tra- i'm trying to keep a in, like an interviewing headspace to ask you questions but it's i i just i love your story and i love i love every every aspect and approach of the the respect and the and the mutual respect and dignity and just just how inspiring and you know i hesitate to say normal because i i honestly think that kind of love and foundation and support is something the world needs more of? I, I I wish it was something that was that was normal that everybody received that because you see these great benefits that come from just love. Thank you for for sharing. Are there any other like words of wisdom? Did your dad ever sit you down for a talk and give you words of wisdom or anything that you that um, you held on to?
2: I hold on to his actions more than you know words you know he is a man of actions i and i believe that uh, most of people with down syndrome are just like him you know uh, we the the so-called normal people tend to speak more than we do actually and they are the quite the opposite you know i learn about honesty when i see him speaking to to others who are trying to to hide their mistakes you know in many in many funny situations, some of his colleagues or friends or so try to, you know when he when they do something you know, not good, try to you know, just uh, hide it or or not share it with the the manager or the boss of their of the work. But my father, uh, who has witnessed this action, cannot hold it, you know, and he strive, goes to this to this guy and tells him right in the eyes that he has done you know something not good and tells the boss that the, this guy has uh, done something not good and that teaches you about honesty that teaches you that telling lies to people is not something good you know and, and it's just one small uh lesson that that i've learned from him you know you can learn about forgiveness from from them you know again he he might get uh, bothered from a colleague of him or a friend of him and uh, he he comes home you know sad and maybe a bit angry but he he cannot wait until the next day to go to this person who have bothered him to say that he forgives him and he he don't want any problems he don't like actually to have any kind of negative relationships with any 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 other person in his life that teaches us about forgiveness and uh, as i said there is many many lessons that i've learned from his actions and i've witnessed his, him you know doing so uh i don't know if i if i can you know just put a simple list of the things that i've learned but they are not they are a lot you know i i cannot even describe them enough in 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 my words but he was such an amazing parent such an amazing inspiration in my life and he will always will be
0: Thank you for for sharing that with us. It's so heartfelt.
1: Our podcast is called If We Knew Then. And so we we like to ask guests a lot of times if there's something that you know now that you wish you knew in your past.
2: Well, uh, I'm I'm very much happy and satisfied about my life. So my only note about this is that uh, if I knew that sharing our story could help Many families around the world, you know, give them inspiration and give them, you know, hope for their little kids in the future and, you know, uh, change some of the outdated ideas about Down syndrome, then I would more, uh, you know, certainly shared my story uh, much, much uh, time, uh, you know, ago. I wouldn't, you know, wait until, until this time to share it, you know, I would have shared, you know, a long time ago to you know help the most people possible you know change these outdated ideas about dancing that many people still have until this day and that's that's my only note about
1: it. satar it's so wonderful talking to you
2: thank you thank you so much and again sorry about my english skills and i hope all the the, the listeners get my ideas uh, just the way I, I i want them to be and thank you so much for having me Crystal
1: clear. Yeah,
0: I want you to know that your your English skills are are perfect, and yes. and your message your message is beautiful and definitely came across very clear. And we appreciate we appreciate you sharing it. And uh, as a mom and an advocate, uh, I've learned a lot from you. Even you know, a lot of what I speak over Liam as far as he's more than a diagnosis, and and it can sometimes be frustrating having to always speak that. But what I think I've learned from you is, one, the importance of that for being an advocate, but also to not speak it because it's where it matters, which is in our home and in Liam's life. It doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wish him a bright future, you know. And I wish you all the best in life. Thank you so much for having me. And hopefully in the future we will be, you know, able to even uh, change more and help more people, hopefully, with, with the help of good people like you. And uh, again, thank you so much for having me.
1: Please personally tell your mom and dad for us that we, uh, we're thinking of them we we had a great time talking to you. We're proud of their son and we're really just so blessed to have you in our lives even for just this little bit of time.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. I will more I will definitely, you know, tell them about it. Thank you so much. Please follow us
1: on Twitter at ifweknewthenpod and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at ifweknewthenpod or visit our website ifweknewthen.com to send us an email with questions and comments.